Welcome to the theater. Take a seat, grab some popcorn, and get ready for another horror movie double bill. This is Friday Night Fratricide. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome back to Friday Night Fratricide. <laughs> exactly. I always ooh, do that. I always indeed. do a little ooh. You need to be more convincing with your ooh. Uh, oh, you know what would have been funny? What? Is if we'd had you. No, it wouldn't work really because we're not filming it. If we'd had you do the intro mm-hmm. and then could pretend that you were possessed by me. Right. But, but then it would, it would only work if we could see your lips moving with me talking yeah that would work better that would yeah that would be funny but it's 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 ra- it's radio baby so we <laughs> yeah see. okay anyway we are the happy brothers i am fraser and i'm ewan and we're back with another horror movie double bill this week it's possession on the cards and i'm not sure how tightly we <laughs> stuck to the theme this week yeah um yeah. there are certainly more uh, applicable films yeah i think well we've already covered a couple of exorcist films we've done the which exorcist. is which is probably the best you're going to get in terms of possession films yeah so i was thinking right I, how do you really classify possession because we've you've got like the cut and dry demonic possession mm-hmm. and then what are the other stages that you've got you get ghost possession so like you be, spirit possession. you can be possessed by a ghost and that's different from being possessed by a demon yeah but then i was thinking because my pick this week noroi the curse it's it's kind of a possession but it's also as the title suggests a curse yeah where do you draw the distinction because technically it's like it is a demon doing it yeah spoiler alert it is a demon mm-hmm. but like they're also afflicted by it rather than like a, a, a possession. Yeah, I guess. So, where, how, how, how do you d- distinguish them? You I know? don't know. It's one of those. It's one of those difficult to to describe things. It's yeah. one of those blurry definitions. Yeah, and we've taken full advantage of that this week. We have. <laughs> we've gone for two pretty different things yeah so i went for noroi as i said that what did you give us this week i went for prince of darkness john carpenter's prince of darkness from the late 80s you're still booing it even even on a rewatch you're still booing it i'll give you my thoughts later okay cool um yeah i i think i mentioned when we had our little uh introductory episode i think i might possibly have talked about prince of darkness because I, when I first started getting into horror films, uh, this is like 2018, not that long ago. The one that really made me like super into horror films and like properly fall in love with them was Halloween. Yep. I watched because it was like, it was October. I watched Halloween and the new Halloween was coming out and I really liked both of them. And then we went out to see The Fog mm-hmm. at our local cinema and that's cracking that's a great film oh yeah and i think the fact that i had watched the two of those and really enjoyed them i was like i'm gonna go and watch other john carpenter films i'm gonna go and see what they're like and i liked the 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 like concept behind prince of darkness and i watched it and i remember finding it really really scary it's not it wasn't as scary now as i'm more used to horror films and like on a on a rewatch um 
but I I wouldn't say I liked it any less with with like five years of hindsight and and several more horror films under my belt I went back like uh, yeah I don't know if I would agree with you that it's particularly scary I I think conceptually maybe mm. it's got some sort of you know end of the world apocalyptic yeah existential horror to it but actually tangibly what we see on screen i don't think is particularly frightening i think some of the stuff in it i, I think is quite scary yeah. i think there's still some good like as much as i wasn't particularly scared by it this mm-hmm. time partly because i knew what was coming and partly because i feel like i've developed more of a tolerance i still watching it like i understand why i found it so scary in the first place like i i still think there are plenty of bits in there that are Okay. Pretty frightening. Do you want to take us through it? Do you want to do should we start Prince with, of Darkness first? Should we start with Prince of Darkness? Go back to the 80s. Back to the 80s. It's barely the 80s, isn't it? It's like 88? 88, 89? I think. Yeah. 87, 88, something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So John Carpenter's career at this point had been a little turbulent, I guess. It was beginning to get turbulent, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, like I say, Halloween and The Fog were like his two first as far as to like big films i mean he did you know he did like dark star right out of university and he did uh assault on precinct 13 which is a pretty small film and didn't get a huge amount of like recognition and not a horror as well and not a horror film as well yeah that's true and then you know halloween and the fog both did really really well he then went and did the thing which as much as it's incredibly well regarded now you have to remember at the time people fucking hated it oh yeah critics oh yeah panned it for being crass and disgusting and just tasteless and whatever um i think the thing is great lots of people oh, think the thing is great so many people regard it as like their favorite horror film ever and understandably so it's, like, it, you know. it really is a pretty banging film like i love the fog the fog yeah. is my favorite john carpenter film mm-hmm. but if someone tells me their favorite is the thing I don't question it. Like yeah. I, I get it. That's I understand. Also, <laughs> totally valid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it had quite such a bad critical reception, um, he was not much of a hot commodity at the time. He got dropped from. Uh, he was going to be doing Firestarter. The, oh yeah, that's um, right. Stephen King adaptation. He got dropped from that. In the end, wound up doing a very safe Stephen King adaptation in Christine, which. I still did think he did it, Christine. He did Christine. I didn't know that. I think is pretty underrated, but not up to his usual standard. I've actually I would never say. seen Christine the whole way through. I I was going to pick I, it for vehicles. I like it. When we did vehicles. Yeah, I should have. We will we'll cover it at some point because okay. I do quite like it. I think there's a lot to say about it. I okay. think I think it's okay. I think it's good. But yeah, not again. That was another one that wasn't very well received. I don't think it's anybody's favorite. Like I think it's good, but it's not. It's not amazing. Yeah um and at this point he was kind of going a bit up and down he had done some more independent films like big trouble in little china which again well received but like not really critically because they were very it was very weird it was yeah Um, it is still is still is yeah so there's a lot of sort of bouncing around um he was either getting a really good like concept that he couldn't really follow through on with his full creative vision because he knew that the critics weren't going to like it or he was stuck with like lower budget things um yeah so it's bouncing around so this is a weird time in his career this is like one of his later you know 
decent films. <laughs> like, say what you will about it, but like, it's it's a lot better than the stuff he was putting out in the 90s, and it's a lot better than yeah. The Ward. Well, know? it's kind of regarded that this, and then he followed it up with In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. In the is Mouth it... of Madness is kind of his final good film. Yeah. So say a lot of people. Uh, you don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like it. No, I don't like it at I, all. I like it. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of people will regard that as his yeah. last good film. But yeah, that was part three in his Apocalypse trilogy. Yeah. Uh, the Thing, and then Prince of Darkness, and then In the Mouth of Madness. Which is really strange, because... They're very different. Even films. conceptually, <laughs> they're, like, they're very different. They're so not the same. I don't know. Like they, they have basically nothing in common other than the fact that they're vaguely about the apocalypse. And and even then, that's the a thing bit isn't of a stretch. Really that like, much about the apocalypse, yeah. other than the fact that there's a couple of scenes when they go, "Oh man, if this get if this thing gets out, <laughs> the thing, if the thing gets out, it's yeah. going to be the end of the world." Um, yeah. Beyond that, it's not really very apocalyptic i can talk if you want to take a sip of coffee no it's fine sorry i I started taking it but then i realized that i'm about to start talking about prince of darkness so it's fine um yeah so prince of darkness is about a priest played by donald pleasance yeah the wonderful donald pleasance absolutely he uh takes over from the archbishop the previous the guy previous guy <laughs> the bishop the the grand duchy whatever yeah. he is that was previously in charge of this church somewhere in like la mm-hmm. uh i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in la it's what well, it looks like LA. it looks like la um you can tell by all the homeless people yeah he yeah he goes in he starts looking around he finds out that the former priest had this key to like a room that goes into the basement that he went in like once a day every day the entire time he was there donald pleasance goes in starts having a look around finds a giant vat of green goo in this weird like chamber like a big it's basically like a it has pews and everything it is it's like a sort of underground church it is an underground church that's got this giant vat of green swirling goo um and he goes man i don't know what that is that's fucked yeah <laughs> and he goes to his friend victor wong who that's the actor the name, actor not the characters name. i love victor wong victor wong's great uh that was another one that was in big trouble in little china and tremors and tremors man oh what a fucking film yeah yeah victor wong's great so he's a professor of quantum physics he's like leading these phd students or like whatever graduate students at the local university um and donald pleasance goes to him and is like look i don't know what this goo is you need to help me figure out what this goo is because i get the feeling that it's evil i suppose victor wong gathers all of his graduate students gets a bunch of like uh history slash theology students there's some that are like into like linguistics and ancient yeah, texts and lot. stuff there's quite a few yeah and then there's like biochemistry students there as well so he kind of gathers various groups of graduate students a together. A crack team of experts. A crack team of experts. I love that trope. I love the trope of a crack team of <laughs> yeah. experts. And he gets them and is like, right, we're going to stay in the church over the weekend. We're going to analyze this goo and we're going to figure out what it is. And then while they're all in the church looking at the goo, shit starts going weird. There's all of these uh, possessed homeless people that are kind of standing around outside being weird, led by Alice Cooper. None other for some reason um 
I do actually know the reason. It was because he was nearby and he was like, oh, that'll be fun. I'll be an extra and you can just pan past me and no one will even see that it's me. And then they started filming it and John Carpenter was like, nah, I want you to be the leader. I want you to be like up front the whole time. He's all right as well. He's got, he's okay. he's got the kind of vibe that's like, yeah. I am a leader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he ganks a guy with a pipe. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, so yeah, Alice Cooper's there and they kind of, they surround the church and basically anytime anyone tries to leave, they kill them um and then some of the people inside the church investigating the goo start getting possessed by it one by one um they they get like the goo goes into one of the the woman's mouth and then she becomes possessed and then she starts tricking other people to come down and then they get gotten and she starts like she like vomits up goo into people's faces and then they get possessed as well and that's pretty much it they're gradually possessing them more and more throughout the film the last group of survivors are trying to get out trying to figure out what's going on and then we get to this conclusion where the uh one of the women who's possessed tries to go through the mirror to bring satan it's not satan it's it's an extraterrestrial who was the inspiration for satan yeah kind of yeah this is this is the bit where the film completely loses me right yeah the actual like plot behind the action right because they they give some exposition and it's not even like exposition it's just like a theory but apparently that is what it's supposed to be like oh yeah jesus was an alien yeah and they didn't want so right remind me jesus was an alien yeah and then they killed him because of reasons yeah and the green goop is jesus's essence no the so there is this like race of aliens that are effectively gods right it's the scientology thing that's what we're doing here there's a race of aliens that are basically gods one of them is satan he's the devil yeah he came down to earth at one point and did his whole usual being evil thing jesus comes down and tries to stop him and manages to drum up a bunch of followers he still gets killed but he manages to create christianity basically as the as like an army of people who are fighting against satan to try and stop satan's son who is the goo oh yeah he's the goo from coming back yeah so then the goo is possessing the people in order to bring Satan through from the mirror dimension. Yeah. It's it, it's incredibly messy. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense. There's a bit where uh, Victor Wong it starts talking about like pa- particles and antiparticles. There's like... Oh, it's like the get, antimatter it's universe. Like everything it? has... Because yeah. I guess that ties into the mirror universe type of thing. Yeah. There's like matter has antimatter and the actions and have their equal and opposite reactions and whatever so if there is a god then it stands to reason that there is also an anti-god and that's supposedly what this is yeah sure yes uh so fucking whatever who cares (laughs) this is Um, yeah this is this is where the film completely loses me because i just do not follow and understand it's so vague as well like it's so there's no sort of concrete 
exposition at any point yeah. as to what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And I think even, even if there was, I probably still wouldn't like it. But at least if we had some sort of structured confirmation that that is what happened. Yeah. Like, oh, they find a history book and that is, you know. But it's all like, oh, yeah, we theorize that blah, blah, blah. And it's like you just you were just like oh yeah, yeah jesus is an alien and you're just they, okay with that they have various texts that they managed to translate that that makes reference to like the prince of darkness and they're like okay it's, cool so that's yeah. satan uh and then there's like oh jesus is an alien or like came from another planet it's just like there's I a lot guess. of jumping to conclusions they're, yeah and then victor wong's just like anti-god and everyone's like okay cool um yeah it's 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 pretty wild um <laughs> but anyway so that's that's it like the devil it comes out of the mirror at the end or is going to come out of the mirror at the end yeah because the woman gets possessed and she's all gooey and melted um she gets like yeah she sort of gets like pregnant kind of yeah and then deflates yeah it's kind of gross they, yeah they talk about it dennis dunn's character who's like trapped in the trapped in the closet at the time people read that as a homosexual analogy but i don't know he is um, overcompensating he's definitely through a lot of the he, film he's yeah he's a bit latent but like he's also whatever quite racist and he's a little weird homophobic i like, I, I like dennis dunn <laughs> he's got he's got this weird charm to him yeah it's like despite being a completely unlikable and dickhead character you kind of do like him kind of like him i like him i think you can get it i um <laughs> i really i uh i really like him in uh, big trouble in little china as well I i've not seen big trouble in little china the whole thing is that like he's obviously supposed to be the main character like that's that's sort of the joke of the whole thing is that he's the one that's actually like fighting to get his girlfriend back he's right. the one that's like the one that's actually good at all of the martial arts and the fighting and he's like sort of the heroic one and Kurt Russell's character is just this guy who like sort of stumbles through everything there. and thinks he's really cool and macho and like okay. knocks himself unconscious before the final fight. And then Dennis Dunn's the one that does actually all the cool kung fu shit. And it it's really funny. It's sort of making fun of the tropes of like white people being the leads in kung fu yeah. films, um, which is like something that was starting to become a thing. Anyway, I like Dennis Dunn. He's great. Yeah, the point was that the woman gets possessed and goes all gooey and she like absorbs the goo and then it like goes into her and she's Pizzas, yeah. all melty. Um that was one of the things that freaked me out. I really when I first watched it, I really don't the the design I think is really visceral. She looks so gross. She does. So she when she starts off, she get she gets possessed different from everyone else. So the mm. the goo in the tank the yeah. satan's son or whatever it is the green goop starts to possess them by like spitting at them they spit he sort of spits goop and then they spit goop in each other's mouths and it's all very weird and sexual yeah. um pin them down and spit in their face but then she gets like she has like a bruise yeah that gradually turns into it's like an upside down cross it's like mm -hmm. the logo of the film yeah, I, I, but it's yeah this sort of sign of Satan or something. I I lost. It, it reminds me of the Blue Oyster Cult logo. It does. It does look it's like the Blue like Oyster Cult logo. Hook yeah, and then the little cross. Yeah. So it kind of goes into that, and then she gets really sleepy, and she goes to bed, and then yeah, when Walter Dennis Dunn's character gets trapped in the closet, he is looking through, and she's like sleeping, and gradually like becoming all weird and gross and yeah uh try to think what it reminds me of 
there's something specific that reminds me of. I think it's the X-Files. I think there's an episode of the X-Files where they get really, like, veiny. Mm. And they've got this, like, sort of thick, uh, viscous blood inside. Oh. And then they, where they cut the skin, it's sort of all goopy and gross. And it, it reminds me of that. That is gross. Um, but yeah, then she gets pregnant and then it deflates and then she stands up and she's even more gross. It's like she's a face gooey, peeling off. And... I, but it's really funny because her hair is still really intact. Oh, yes. <laughs> like her clothes and her hair are still perfectly clean, even though all of her skin's melted off. Yeah. And I think it looks really funny. Like, not in a good way. Like, it, it looks bad, but, like, <laughs> I find it entertaining that yeah, it looks that, so yeah. bad. Like, she's so clearly wearing, a, like, a wig, but it's, like, this totally clean blonde wig. It's so, And then this, yeah, well like, fitted. pink dress. Yeah. Um, yes, it's very funny. Uh, yeah, so she goes out, she tries to, like, reach into the mirror and pull the devil through, and then... Uh, Is it Laura? No. It, the, Catherine. The main character's love interest. The main character, Brian, who basically does nothing relevant throughout the film. He just bitches at he's everyone. He's such he's a such dick. A, he's such a loser. He's such an arsehole. Uh, and then this woman that he is in love with, who's one of his classmates, they sleep together at the beginning and then they have they have no chemistry the entire nope. time. It's not good. Uh, and neither of them do anything relevant to the film nope. the whole way through <laughs> until right at the very end when she sacrifices herself by grabbing the possessed woman and jumping through the mirror and then... Uh, Donald Pleasant smashes the mirror, trapping them both, and they get the they both get trapped in the anti dimension or the, whatever it's called, yeah, the mirror dimension. Um, uh, yeah, and then the end of the film, they do a little fake out jump scare where Brian, the mustached main character, rolls over in bed, and his it's his girlfriend there, but now this time she's all goopy, and then he screams and wakes up, and that was a dream, and then he goes to touch the mirror, and he goes ooh, and almost touches it, and then it cuts to black. Yep. Um, and that was the thing that really freaked me out when I first watched it. It was the ending. It was the, like, I got gotten by the jump scare, like, properly gotten. And then when he, like, goes towards it, that goes towards the mirror, that freaked me out. It's not especially scary. Uh, yeah. But, I, like, I, it, it like... I, that, I guess. That was a, the thing that freaked me out the first time. As, is, a, as a wee novice, a wee horror baba. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Then, yeah, I guess that could be creepy. Um, I... I yeah i hate i hate fake out the only thing i hate more than fake out jump scares is a double fake out jump scare yeah because our his first thing is he has the dream we've throughout the film everyone's been having dreams yeah and they've been apparently they've been prophesizing the mm-hmm. future which is satan's son does come back and brings the apocalypse with him and what they see is like the scene at the st- uh, uh the scene um at the church and Satan's son, or there's like, a, there's like a figure walking yeah, out of the church. F- you never really see a, clearly a, a shadowy there. figure standing at the front of the church in the fog. And at the end of the film, Brian is dreaming, and he dreams that Catherine is the one, the, the figure now standing at the front of the church. And then he wakes up, and then she's lying next to him, and then he screams, and then he wakes up again. I'm like, guys, really? <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on, man. <laughs> it's. <sighs> It's one of those films that is trying to be so clever that it just completely trips itself up and would have been so much more entertaining if they just focused on the the possessions, yeah. the kills. Even like just have a demon. Just be like, there is a demon trying to break out of this anti-dimension. Here is a team of of here's a crack team of physicists yeah. who are trying to figure out how to stop it. 
but they they add all this like religious subtext they break it up with all these weird dreams and visions of the future mm -hmm. they include you know like the fact that they're trapped in the building by the the homeless group that are possessed yeah. and it's just i don't know it doesn't work for me it's yeah it's got so many elements that could be really good and really entertaining and it just let it lets itself down it trips itself up yeah by trying to say so much and just not doing it very well that yeah i agree with you yeah i i think it's unfortunate because there there's a lot of stuff in here that makes for a good film and i still have a good time watching it but god it could be so much better <laughs> It's so much like, shorter as well. It's yeah, it, it does it does drag on a little bit because there's not a huge amount going on for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really keep the pace up. I mean, the opening credits are like ten minutes long. Oh yeah, the intro they're so long, ages. Um, but yeah, like there there's potential there for him to basically do like the thing, but about demonic possession instead of an alien. And it's like trapped in this church. You've got the like the science slash religion aspect i think works well you know and like the conversations between victor wong and donald pleasance as much as they're generally this sort of bullshit exposition that doesn't really make any sense mm -hmm. i think it's fun i like the, the dynamic the two characters have um and i think that like possession would work well to basically create a nice bottled uh situation that they're all trapped in there together they don't trust each other they don't know what's going on i mean i know that he already did that with with the thing more literally but you've got the opportunity to do another film that would work just as well yeah uh, and you've got a lot more fun ideas to explore but like you say i think trying to steer into like explaining it in a unique way explaining all the demon stuff in a unique way does yeah. trip him up and make it feel a bit silly it's a bit wanky uh yeah you know, it's, <laughs> it's a bit wanky like that's the best way to describe it it's kind of like john carmer's come up with this this sort of really self-congratulatory idea of you know what if jesus was an alien mm -hmm. what if they were real but they were an alien yeah and then he's kind of run with it and it's like dude yeah <laughs> come on now yeah <laughs> yeah you know i i yeah there's just there's a lot that could have been done just a little bit better. There are a lot of elements that if they were done just a tiny bit better, mm -hmm. it would make for a significantly better film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's 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 potential there. I think yeah. they 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 squander it in a few different places like by focusing too much on the weird stuff like I've said given a little bit too much time to brian and his like love interest thing the most unlikable main so character or yeah he is he's such an <laughs> arsehole he's so weird to women like yeah he, he even makes a comment at the beginning he's like oh yeah i hate women i'm sexist get used to it and and then he's like I i'm just kidding i'm just kidding please have sex with me look at my mustache <laughs> god i hate him so much um yeah there's stuff to like i there is stuff to like you know i, I don't want to be too critical like right um, one of the things that I think is interesting about the film, sorry, before I get no, back, you go no, back no. to your opinion. One of the things that I think is interesting about the film is um, there is a very real influence from Quatermass in the Pit. Um, 
for one there's a character and i didn't actually notice during the film because i don't know if they actually say his name out loud it might just be in the script one of the characters does have the surname quatermass really and the university that they're all from is called neil university after nigel Neil, the writer that that, that wrote quatermass and it does have a vaguely similar plot or at least base concepts to quatermass in the pit where it's like in the underground they find this weird alien thing that is like supposed to have been the inspiration for demons um yeah apparently it was a big influence john carpenter is a big fan of nigel neal uh and was like oh i really want i'm like inspired by his work i want to do a film based on this nigel neal i don't know if he even watched the film or if he just heard what it was about but he was basically like i do not want my name associated with this piece of shit i did not make it please do not associate me with this film (laughs) poor john carpenter it's funny because that's the second time that that's happened with Nigel Neal because he I think I I did mention to you a little while ago and you were surprised to hear that he wrote Halloween 3 yes yes or at least the original concept for Halloween 3 season and then it was like nope Uh, and then various studio involvement I think it was Dino De Laurentiis specifically got involved and was like you got to put in more gore you got to put in more kills you got to make it more violent and nigel neal just went nope i'm out bye take my fucking name off this film i do not want to be associated with that at all um honestly respect yeah it's pretty based i gotta say i really i really like the guy made one of the single best and most influential sci-fi horror films yeah ever that still holds up yeah what six, 60 years later well two of them i mean quatermass 2 isn't great but the quatermass experiment and quatermass in the pit quatermass are, in the they pit. both fuck they're great quatermass in the pit is one of my earliest memories because our dad loves it yeah and we would watch it all the time and i didn't really understand it until i got older but i still have vivid memories of the creature the aliens yeah and the underground and the church at the end the weird like demonic looking aliens like it's it's oh, it's timeless it's good. It's a very, very so good. So he film. has earned the right to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he's that much of a dick. No, he's, he's, like, he's, he's, just, he's just, yeah. Stand, knows his, by worth. His, his principles. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a real one. Um, yeah, I think I, I just think that's funny. Like, there's definitely an inspiration there. Uh, and I think it's interesting that, that he went in such a different direction. I don't think this is a bad film, but it it's also not great. I see why people don't like it. I personally do quite like it still. Mm. I stand by it, but I, I'm not going to blame you for not liking it. I like elements of it. Um, I wasn't too harsh in my score. Yeah. I gave it two out of five. Okay. Um, because I, yeah, there are elements that I like. I like the possession stuff. Um, the I don't, I don't know any of the characters' names. Mm. Um, the The first guy who gets possessed... Because there's the there's the girl who's the first one to get possessed. Yeah. And then there's Lisa. I only know that's her name because she's super cute and I have a huge crush on her. Oh, yeah. Um, the that, like, that, hacker. The yeah, that's the one that's... Girl. She's like the... I think she's the one that's the theology person. She's oh, maybe. The, she's yeah. the one that's like translating all of yeah, the Yeah, yeah. She's... Yeah. Um, and then they pin down the other guy. <laughs> Yeah, and possess him first. But the way that he like walks the corridors and he's he comes up to the group and he's really creepy. He's got this huge smile while he's doing it, and he he like breaks the the top off a banister mm-hmm. and then slits his throat with it. 
Oh yeah, the guy that's singing "Amazing Grace." Yes, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's carrying a chair around. It's a bit off the back of a oh, chair. the back of the chair. Sorry, yeah, of course. And it he is, breaks yeah. it off, and then he stabs himself in the neck with it. It's Ugh. there's something really like unsettling about he, it. He was a good performance. Like and you get, does, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Like he's. It does that kind of demonic possession where he's like, you know, laughing at stuff. But at the same time, you get this feeling that like he's genuinely terrified of what's going on. Oh, yeah. He did, There's like, that bit of his humanity in there that like doesn't want to do what he's doing. Yeah. And it works well. They, they don't do much of that in the film, but I think it, his his character is interesting for that. Yeah. And I think just the possession in general, you know, the the one, um, the, the woman who gets pregnant possessed <laughs> you know her sort of susceptibility to everything and her being more frightened leads to her being possessed differently and you know giving birth birth metaphorically to the son of satan that stuff's all cool the mirror dimension the practical effects yeah of the mirror dimension are great yeah they look really cool but it just when you think about it too much and you actually look at what he was trying to do with the plot, I just, I lose interest. And it's a really, it's it's not, like, it's not really long, but it's a bit longer than the average. I think it's about 100 minutes, 110 minutes, maybe. Yeah. And it has a real trouble with pacing. It has a real problem with pacing, I should say. Yeah. It, it, it does, yeah, I don't know. I have my issues, but I can see some elements that. Yeah. I'm also. Donald Pleasance is really underutilized in this film. He is. Unfortunately. He, he could yeah. be so much more, and it's it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I, I agree I agree with a lot of your, your, your points. I was more generous to it. I give it three and a half. Okay um i think it's a lot of fun it's it's definitely not going to be at the top of any lists of carpenter's best films anytime soon but i think there's a lot in it to enjoy um i think it's it's a fun it's a a fun film it uh, definitely has its flaws but see some people i know prefer carpenter when he's a bit weirder yeah when he does these bit these stranger concepts Mm mm-hmm you know, in the mouth of Magnus as well, it, it, it's got a similar vibe of yeah. it's trying to do something a bit more outlandish. And I think you need to have a, a certain taste to enjoy these types of films. And I just don't have that. No. It's not for me. I, pre- I prefer a cut and dry horror film. Fair enough. Or sci-fi or whatever. Yeah. Did he do They, they Live as well? Yeah. Was that Carpenter? That yeah, was it was. Carpenter. Yeah. I'm trying to think when that was. That's that was I think that was eighty eight. I think that was maybe his next one after Prince of Darkness. Was that after Prince of Darkness? Okay. It was around the same time. Yeah. I think they were like one after the other. Okay. Um yeah. They Live's good. They Live's alright, yeah. It's it's another one of those kind of weird ones. Uh definitely not incredible, but I wouldn't have said it's as weird. Has some but yeah. Solid concepts and yeah. stuff. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. He's no bad. Yeah. It's no bad. Cool. So there you go. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Sure was. Yep. Uh, right. My pick for this week. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noroi the Curse. One that's been on my list for a wee while. Um, it was on Shudder for a long time, and I thought that it still was, but sadly they took it off. Yeah. Right as I was going to, I finally decided to go and watch it, yeah. which is very annoying. 
But thankfully, thanks to Internet Archive, there's a full copy of it on there. So, yeah. <laughs> sorted. Um, came out in 2005, sort of just past the height of, you know, all those Japanese horrors, the the Ring, the Grudge, Pulse. Uh, Pulse was Korean, I think. Um, East Asian horror, you know, yeah. a lot of them b- that became very popular in the US and in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, this was sort of just off the back of that. And it adopted a bit of a different style as well. A style that, you know, you know, I love a found footage. Yeah. But it does it in a semi-documentarian way as well. Yeah. It's not quite as strict. There's not like interviews and stuff as such as you might see in other... Like Late Mungo, for example, has, you know, character interviews. Yeah, the the talking heads. Talking heads, yeah. Segments. We don't have any of that in this. Whereas here it's very much just... Uh, the main character Kobayashi is um, documenting everything that he's doing. He's mm-hmm. a paranormal investigator. He's doing it. Um, so it was directed by Koji Shirashi. Not a name I really recognised, but he did direct Sadako versus Keiko. I, I saw that, which yeah. we discussed before. We discussed at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny didn't know that uh he's not really done much else of note or any or i should say much that i recognize i don't necessarily know if they're of note or not yeah we'll find out so noroi follows the story of kobayashi he is a paranormal investigator who is this is his next case um he's producing a document uh i guess not really a documentary he's producing a found footage film would you call it a documentary in universe it, well, apparently it is a documentary. It's what he's like producing, do, yeah. With the exception of the stuff that happens at the very end of the film. Yeah. Because they, they have a little bit at the opening. There's saying, a wee vignette, like, oh, sort he, of. Kobayashi was making this documentary called Noroi the Curse. The Curse, yeah. And then right at the end of the film, they go, right, that was the end of the documentary. And then this thing happened after the documentary was yeah. released. Um, and it's like, yeah. It's a little bit clunky. It is a little, a little bit, and it doesn't really feel like a documentary to me. No. It felt more straight found footage. I really would have liked if they had more direct, like talking to the audience in that yeah. documentary sense, either in terms of character interviews or narration or better title cards, because I did find it pretty difficult to follow, like pretty quickly. I think as the plot starts to get going later on, it was easier. But At the start, it's a little bit all over the place. As they're getting up to it, yeah. it's like it cuts around quite quickly as they're setting all this stuff up. And it's really hard to tell what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I no, I agree. The first half of the film, there is a lot of jumping about. And I was starting to get to the point where I was like, is this going to be one of those films where it's kind of you're supposed to have figured it out but they don't ever give you a definitive answer Mm -hmm. and then you read the wikipedia three times later and try to understand what happened luckily it's not it does kind of wrap it up in the end it does but the first half is yeah i agree very all over the place um it also uh, commits cardinal sin of horror films Mm -hmm. where it tells you what happens at the end of the film right at the start i hate when films do that i hate when found footage films do that and it's like uh, what was the other one um uh hell house 
does that as yeah. well. It's like we found this footage after the uh, a group of tourists went missing. They were all found dead weeks later. Here is their story. And I'm like, well, now I know they all die. Yeah, now we know their story. The story is that they die. Yeah. Um, so here... Hell House, I didn't think was too bad because that i like about hell house is that you get this clip with basically no context and then as you learn more they show you again at the end and it means very different things as you're watching it. yeah i guess but i do agree with you yeah. the one that we've watched recent more recently that did do it that really pissed me off was uh the dial of pass incident because yes. they do that they just straight up just show you a bit of the footage from the end of the film yeah they're just like oh yeah they're like oh yeah look these two characters they're in the cave and they're really sad look at them talking about how sad they are yeah okay now on with the film and it's like all right yeah cool and this film does it as well so it starts with telling us about kobayashi about his job and what he's doing and directing the curse and then he's like oh yeah and his house burned down and his wife died and he's missing we're like cool like and here's the footage from months earlier like great okay so he's either the killer or he gets killed by the curse whatever this thing is like i i hate i hate when films do that hate but whatever put that to the back of my head so he's directing this film called the curse he was investigating this um he he comes across it after this woman raises raises a red flag about her neighbor her neighbor and her neighbor's son who she hardly ever sees are making weird noises in the middle of the night it sounds like babies crying and kobayashi goes to investigate he tries to interview the neighbor she tells him to piss off she's very strange and weird and he kind of <sighs> we we get sort of some creepy bits we see like the little kid looking out the window of the house and we're getting like little little tasters of what the film's going to be but we don't really get much and they introduce a lot more plot mm-hmm. they introduce a new character um uh, marika who's yeah. apparently a real person yeah, yeah and this is like a a, a fictionalized personality of yeah. hers which i think is kind of cool I'm sure that means more to people in Japan than it does to us. Yeah, unfortunately, I had never heard of her before. But yeah, yeah. she is like playing herself, like yeah. a fictionalized version of herself, which works. Similar, similar to like uh, Ghost Watch. Yeah, yeah. We had yeah. all these celebrities playing Michael themselves, Parkinson. and it makes it feel a lot more real. Yeah, it would have worked better for us if we knew who she was. That is true. But yeah, I get the concept. Yeah, I, I quite like her to be honest. She's she's her and two friends do like this. Jap is a very Japanese TV show where they go and investigate paranormal things as well. Yeah. So they go out to this shrine in the middle of nowhere and she thinks she hears something, thinks she sees something, gets a big fright and we look at the footage and oh, there's a creepy figure standing in the background. So she kind of gets introduced into the fold and Kobayashi interviews her and becomes friends with her. We get another sort of segment where we... Ha- it's basically just a straight footage from a paranormal, activity, a paranormal investigation series. Again, very... Ja- or is that very like a stereotype? Japanese. Or is it like our shows is that actually, actually like that? Is that actually what Japanese TV shows look like? It does. It looks like a, it looks like a stereotype, but from 
clips that I have seen from actual Japanese TV shows. Like, it looks like a Japanese game show. Yeah, yeah. That is that is what they actually look yeah. like, as far as I'm aware. They're all very colourful, big letters, and, you know, very dra- over-dramatised everything. Yeah. But it's they've, they've gathered a group of supposedly psychic kids, and they're putting them through these various tests. There's one girl called Kana, who manages to pass most of the tests save for one where she draws a creepy looking mask yeah um and they're like oh you failed it's actually something else but then we look at the mask and oh it's going to come up later isn't it And, and then she goes missing afterwards we see like police reports and stuff kobayashi then interviews he does interview her first he does get a chance to meet her doesn't he I don't, yeah, yeah he does because then he's around at dinner and yeah she freaks out and, and everything gets thrown around on the floor and all the plates about. are moving and stuff yeah and then she goes missing and he stays in touch with her parents so we've got her in the fold as well and then we've also got the man with the tinfoil drip <laughs> yeah fucking tinfoil man mr super psychic Har- ha- harry hori harry hori Mr. Harry, can't remember. Uh, Clearly, a very mentally ill man who has actual psychic ability. He's first introduced as like a special guest interviewing Marika Mm -hmm. after her showing the footage of the shrine, and he kind of freaks out on her, saying that she's kind of brought something with her. It's it's weird. There's a lot of sorry go ahead ectoplasmic worms yeah so he believes that ev- there's ectoplasmic worms everywhere there's a lot of allusion to pigeons as well mm-hmm. so we see some dead pigeons outside the neighbor's house at the start and then you know they, they mention them uh the super psychic boy is that is how he's referred to by the way i'm not calling him super psychic they do call him super psychic like that's yeah. his <laughs> that's his what name. he does um and he he does talk about pigeons when he's trying to look for Kana. He gets brought on to help look for her using his abilities. But he's very strange. He doesn't give a straight answer. And he, he draws a map trying to find her. Um, a lot of weird stuff. And we get... It's, there's a lot of jumping between these different plots. Yeah. The woman who first... Um, got in touch with kobayashi she gets killed very unceremoniously off screen there's just a title card that's like they died five days later and i laughed so i genuinely i did i started laughing at it i'm like it's it's clearly not supposed to be funny and it feels very insensitive to laugh at it but it's just like he's leaving their house yeah and it's like as he's leaving you know the cameraman's pointing the camera at them and they're like waving goodbye they're like bye see you later and then it just comes up like they died five days later in a car crash yeah and you're like okay yeah pucci died on his way back to his whole (laughs) planet (laughs) genuinely how it feels um so they're out the picture uh the neighbors disappear as well they're off um marika starts doing some weird stuff as well she's waking up in the middle of the night we could get some footage of her filming herself as well. She's doing some weird, like, um, sort of mac- mac- macrame. Macrame. Yeah, she's like making, she's like, yeah, making these like loops. He loops with string cords and string oh, and whatever. And she hears knocking in her apartment. They go and visit her upstairs neighbor. 
and she doesn't hear anything, she doesn't know what's going on. We also, when we're following, uh, trying to look for Kana, Kobayashi kind of takes it upon himself to look for Kana as well. He finds this strange looking man on his balcony with a bunch of pigeons after a track, like find, using the map that was drawn for him to track down this location. He sees this strange looking man with a bunch of pigeons. And then we get a scene where we find out that Marika's, we get Marika's neighbor and the strange man they found and like six other people have all killed themselves Yeah, in a park. They just went out one night and did a, they just did a mass suicide. Yeah. For the fun of it, I guess. It yep. doesn't really explain why they did it, but we're kind of getting this impression that people who are in close proximity to yeah. certain other people in the film are are having issues. Or dying or killing themselves it's, or whatever. At this point but, in the film, it's raising so many questions but answering none of them. Yeah. And it's 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 like this is getting to the halfway point of the film and it's getting very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love these types of films. I love mystery and found footage and just revealing gradually. But this one feels particularly like, here is all this information. Don't you want to know what happens? I'm like, yes. Well, you'll have to wait. (laughs) Yeah. They just keep giving you more and more and more. And then at the end of the film, they kind of just go, right, well, that's what all that shit was. Yeah. (laughs) Just Um... in case you were wondering. (laughs) So Kana's parents as well. Um, Kana's dad kills her mum, or the other way around, and then gets arrested. Mm. I can't remember which way around it is. Yeah, but again, more people in close proximity. Quite quite briefly. Yeah. Um, So there's a yeah, there's a lot of stuff. After the suicides, Marika goes to live with Kobayashi. Um, well, his wife, anyway, while he's still out doing investigating stuff. We got a really good scene that did freak me out a lot. Like, that that, that, that was the first scene in the film that actually was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is actually pretty creepy. Mm. When his, Kobayashi's wife, Kiko, and Marika are having dinner together, having tea. Yeah. And she's filming it, and they're just having a chat and stuff. Marika gets up and and walks and stands and she's standing with her back facing to the camera with her head tilted making this like grudge-esque like uh noise yeah and it's really really unsettling it's one of those like it it's that style of horror that japan does really well this like this feeling of unease it's like what's on screen is about to change and it's going to give you a fright. Mm-hmm. But it never does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You, you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, like, yeah, the, that style of horror, it does really well. Um, And we then she more, cla- more, claps or something. We get more pigeons. We get more pigeons. Hitting, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah the, the, hitting the window while she's possessed. Yeah. So, you know, we've got all these things. We know that, that like, neighbors and close proximity to these people, to psychic people, are dying we got pigeons, we got super psychic ratting on about ectoplasmic worms. We've got all this stuff, but we don't really know what's all happening. Kobayashi does some investigation and we get a bit of exposition, finally, with this um, uh, librarian, I don't really know. Historian, I guess. Historian, yeah. Who has has found information on 
uh, I can't remember what element it is that he's found it on. What, what is it that leads it to him? I can't remember. But he talks about this village anyway, this village that used to exist, and they had these rituals, and um, they find a videotape of the ritual as well. It's... Um, I can't remember why. It, it, it's all... It's very... There was this ritual to summon a demon and it was supposed to give good wealth and keep it the, was everyone away. It's, it's done for a thousand years or whatever. And then the last yeah. time they did it was in like 1972 yeah. and then the, the village got demolished. And Yeah. So they do this weird... We see this weird ritual. Of this, there's like a priest and someone is playing the devil. They have this weird mask that looks oddly sim- similar to the one that Kano drew earlier. Kana. Kana? Kana? Kana. Uh, drew earlier on the tv show we're like ah okay some is, uh, the threads are getting tightened mm-hmm. um but the the lady who's playing the the demon freaks out and something goes wrong and we don't know what happened so the the, the man the the priest uh ishii his I, name is ishii yeah junko junko ishii i think his name was um then dies has a heart attack or something they all die and the whole village gets demolished to make way for a dam in this nearby town uh so sorry there's a lot of elements here that's just it's really i think me trying to articulate it now is making me realize just how convoluted this plot is yeah (laughs) and how much simpler it could be it's a little messy and I think that's that is probably my biggest criticism with this film mm-hmm. is just how, how much story it is trying to tell. It's not a short film either. It's, it is like two hours it's long. Two hours, it's a yeah. long film. It, yeah. Anyway, so we've got the name Ishii and we've got like the nearby village is related to this old village that was doing the rituals. So Kobayashi goes and investigates and wouldn't you know, he finds the woman, the neighbor from the start of the film. And again, she freaks out and chases him. And through some more investigative blah, 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 nonsense and whatever, we find out that he's she is actually Ishii's daughter. Mm-hmm. Again, another thread. And oh, and she was the one in the... She's the one that was playing the she devil. Was She's the one in the mask who gets the demon. possessed, basically. And what has happened or what what the historian theorizes happened is that she she got possessed as part of the ritual but they didn't get rid of her correctly they didn't get rid of the demon correctly so the 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 demon uh kutagaya something i don't know i didn't write it down sorry kagutama kagutama yeah um he oh, fuck we're gonna look so racist aren't we it's <laughs> not racist i just can't remember I the can't name i can't remember what he's called um yeah it's just because i didn't write it down it's not like it's a particularly difficult japanese word or anything no. it's just i didn't write it down it's my bad guys not I swear we're not racist kagutaba kagutaba thank you um he's see that was similar to what i was saying that's similar to what you were saying it wasn't yeah it wasn't like i was then i would have said really racist thing but i'm not gonna say that yeah don't do that that's that's not 
I'm going to move on. So, <laughs> yeah, this demon, um, we find out that it is stuck around and there's a lot of theorizing. We also find out how the demon is summoned. So it was summoned through sacrificing a bunch of baby monkeys. Mm-hmm. And they used, they also killed a bunch of dogs as well to summon it. Uh, and then did this ritual. We find out that Ishii's daughter worked at an abortion clinic. We're like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and when Kobayashi goes back to investigate the town again to do more interviews with Ishii's daughter, he finds that all the dogs that were very prominently filmed earlier are all gone. And we're like, oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, actually, that's a little bit later. There's this big segment in the middle where we go go to the dam. Yeah. And he and Marika and super psychic Mr. Harry go out into the water um, and they want to redo the ritual so that Mar- they, they suspect that Marika's been infect- in- infected, possessed, cursed, this is where it comes down. Which is it? Yeah. Which is it? I think cursed, but whatever. Possessed by by uh, Kagotaba. Kagotaba. Thank you. Um, so they go and do the ritual to try and free her of it. But when they're trying to leave, uh, Super Psychic freaks out and runs off into the woods, screaming about Kana. So we get this whole segment where Marika's kind of still possessed and the cameraman goes to help her um and kobayashi and super psychic run off into the woods and they find a big pit of dead dogs that's two weeks in a row we've had dead dogs and i'm not happy about it i know um find all these dead dogs and then we get a really creepy like night vision shot of i think it's supposed to be kana um getting swarmed by like baby ghosts yeah. There's all these like babies like crawling up. It's really weird. Um and yeah, that that they don't find Kana and they all go home and that's that. Kobayashi goes back to the town at this point. He goes to Ishii's house. What? No, sorry. It's just like, yeah, this plot is so convoluted. It's, it's, it's so like, convoluted. And this oh, is a, like I can't even like just be like You can't even be more vague. I can't be more vague. I need to, to go end, into detail because no of <laughs> everything that happens. He goes back to Ishii's house. Um and they sneak around upstairs. She's not home. There's some dead pigeons and dead dogs and stuff in her house. Goes upstairs and finds her hanged in her room they find kana who is also dead and they find her son who was again the neighbor at the start of the film and we're like oh it's the boy and he's alive and everyone else is dead i'm going to adopt him yeah and it's like mate come on everyone else who has been in touch with anyone in the vicinity has died and this one boy is alive and okay and you don't think there's anything suspicious? You're just going to invite him back to your house? Yeah. Come on. Like, whatever. So Marika, um, she gets away. She goes home and she kind of recovers. Yeah. And gets better. Pretty much, yeah. But super psychic, he gets institutionalized. 
and because uh, he's nuts because he well i mean he is he's like fully not has been nuts the entire yeah, time but this kind of pushed him over the edge looking for kana and everything but he has and, and then yeah that's 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 the end of the curse that's the end of kobayashi's documentary we then get this um supplementary bit at the end where the police were mailed or our news our, a news newspaper was mailed a tape from kobayashi after the curse has aired and after the house burned down and after we know that he's missing and his wife's dead and blah 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 we get mailed this tape and then we watch the contents of this tape it's kobayashi in his home and super psychic has escaped the institution come to visit and he he thinks that the demon is still about mm-hmm. and is still haunting him and doesn't he, he breaks into the house and he, he sort of goes for the boy mm-hmm. the 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 uh ishi's son who we find out isn't actually her son has no relation and is just some random child yeah um and he goes for it and he starts wailing on the sun with a rock obviously kobayashi tries to stop him and his wife tries to stop him but as he turns around we see like this really creepy shot of the sun standing there with blood and wounds but his face is like contorted into the mask yeah from earlier and we're like oh he's the demon he's possessed who could have thought that? He's Kagutaba. He is Kagutaba. He promptly uh, dispatches Super Psychic. Mm-hmm. He tries to stop um, Kobayashi, but he's kind of dazed and he gets knocked out. But he does manage to influence his wife, who we see walk through in the camera and set herself on fire, basically, and burn down the pours, house. Of course, Petrol on herself sets herself on fire. <laughs> And it's a very upsetting ending, but also it's quite creepy. It's one of the creepier moments of the film. So it's, I would argue, worth the wait, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not worth the wait, but certainly it's, you know, it ties everything up nicely. And even though we don't know what happened to Kobayashi or the demon, it's still, it gives us enough exposition in the latter half of the film that it feels worth it, I would say. Yeah me describing it and sitting here and going through the plot it does sound very convoluted it does sound difficult to follow if you're patient with the film and just enjoy the story that it's trying to tell i i think it'll be worth it for you but that said its story and its pacing is easily the weakest part Mm -hmm. easily um which is unfortunate because it's got some good spooks in it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Do you disagree? No, I think that there's 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 a fair few, you know, effectively spooky bits in it. Mm-hmm. I think the ending is probably the best one. Some of the visions of the the ghosty stuff and the uh the possession stuff. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I think it's too few and far between. It it is. Yeah. There's there's a lot of it's like exposition, but it's also taking so long to expose anything. Yeah. Um 
like setting up the idea oh there's this girl who's psychic and she's gonna come back in the finale she's going missing and she's relevant it's like a solid 20 minute segment where they're like here's her on tv showing off her psychic abilities for ages and then here's her having dinner and doing some carry nonsense and throwing some plates around and it's like it is like 20 minutes 25 minutes it's a long stretch and it's like fucking we get it you could have cut so much of that out and just been like here's the girl who's psychic she's gone missing that's it yeah like that could have easily been the start of the film (laughs) it's just Um, yeah it's it i i feel like the director was trying to make a specific type of film he was trying to like set up all this lore and like give you a proper backstory and a proper you know japanese demon yeah but just didn't manage it (laughs) yeah he just went so overboard that he lost sight of what it should have been which is just a horror film a spooky demony horror film yeah and we don't get that sadly i don't think this needed to be a found footage film i'm gonna be honest i think it may well have benefited from not being a found footage film they they would have had to to take away the investigative element and it would have more yeah. been just showing some people being possessed but like i think there's not there's not a benefit to it being found yeah, footage there's not but equally i don't think it hurts it no i mean I, not necessarily i think maybe just because i'm not really a fan of found footage that, yeah that i i feel it detracts but yeah it doesn't add anything I don't disagree. I, I think it could have been a... It could have not been found footage and been as good, yeah. probably. Um, but I don't think it makes it worse. Like, it's... Yeah. It's just kind of on par. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how'd you rank it? How'd you rank it? How'd you find it? I gave it three stars. Okay. That's um, more than I thought you were going to give it, to be yeah. fair. It's, it's messy as hell. And it's a bit of a painful watch because it's quite so slow and for easily the first half you do not really know what's going on Mm -hmm. like it really takes quite a while to get to the point where you're actually following the plot and you know enjoying the film yeah (laughs) but i think a lot of the stuff isn't poorly made i really like how they managed to create the tv segments and really make it feel like you're watching a clip from a tv show yeah that was something i liked about it that's pretty unique there aren't many other like most found footage films just go like here's some camcorder shit (laughs) like it's pretty rare that they go here's some occasionally like news footage but like here's a clip from a tv show that is obviously fiction it was created for this film but it feels real it feels like you're actually watching a clip from a tv show and i think that's very impressive and i think it worked well I think the acting's good. I think the acting's actually really, really good. Pretty I solid. Super psychic, I think. You he, know, he plays this very, you know, mentally ill very psychic. unhinged character. But I think he does it well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And is good. He's kind of this sort of stoic figure behind yeah. the camera. I think he's quite, yeah. I think uh, Ishii, Ishii is, is very uh, creepy. Yeah. Because she's like clearly just totally nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, like... The acting's good. Unfortunately, I just, I think, found footage 
in general it's like it really stops you from being able to do any particularly interesting cinematography it That's stops true. you from being yeah. able to put a good soundtrack over the top of the film although in saying that this does really? have a soundtrack it does have music yeah but not playing. much no but it's it's very minimal very ambient yeah i don't know i like more more than a lot of fun footage gets yeah no that's true yeah um most fun footage films don't do any but uh yeah it, which it, it bugs me it, but i have to give it credit for a lot of it like it is good i think the concepts are good it takes a, as much as it takes a long time to get to them there's some scary stuff in there mm -hmm. and some of the stuff even the stuff they don't show like the idea of like they mention oh this character worked in an illegal abortion clinic and you're already like oh god there's gonna be some fucking grim shit that she did isn't there yeah. and then they even they all they need to do is kind of like vaguely tell you about what happened that she was like feeding these fetuses to to the girl and, yeah it's like as soon as the, like because we learn about the abortion clinic earlier on in the film and then the historian is going over the ritual and it's like, oh yes, and they had to kill all these baby monkeys and then feed them to the, the, the demon or the, like whoever yeah. it is it's playing the demon. Whatever. Yeah, uh, and we're and like, like, okay, oh, this is <laughs> this is where we're going with this. Okay, um, yeah, and it's it's very upsetting and it's very creepy and it, it like grosses you out very effectively. But yeah, definitely suffers from pacing issues. I wouldn't recommend many people watch this film as much as it's definitely not bad. It just god it fucking it's a slog <laughs> it drags it does drag knock absolutely um yeah i kind of to add to what you've said like I, I do like fun footage so i'm a little bit more fond of it i think just because, just because of how it is there's a barky dog somewhere um i think it does create this legend of kag kag kagutaba kagutaba well Mm -hmm. i think it does create this lore and you know effectively you know creates this community that that summoned this demon that or repelled this demon or whatever that all feels very believable and especially through the lens of found footage it does feel like we're documenting this village who had these weird customs that was then demolished to build a, a dam I think that is done really, really well. The issue is how long it takes to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how scattered the first half of the film is, you know, like we said, with introducing all these different characters in different manners. They, they kind of do it simultaneously as well. So, like, they're introducing... Kobayashi, and then they introduce Marika, and then they introduce Kana, and they introduce Super Psychic, but they do it all one after the other, and then afterwards, they show Kobayashi interacting with each of the characters. Yeah. It's like, it's not like a, you know, introduction to the Justice League, where we're, you know, like, each person has their intro segments, you know, it's we need to naturally be introduced to these characters mm -hmm. otherwise it feels unnatural it, it doesn't feel right in the context of the film and i think that's its biggest downfall is it doesn't really give us this clean narrative 
it, it takes us on too many tangents throughout. Yeah. And I think this is probably where it would have benefited from being able to talk directly to the audience. That as well. If More we just yeah. actual uh documentary stuff. Yeah. Because it really does just it is just it's found footage. It's not a mockumentary, really. No, it, like it, it is, is more, kind of more so than the average found footage. There are but a few still, flash screens and yeah, these sort of TV show segments, but overall this is just footage. Yeah. Af- one after bit after the bit, like in chronological order. It's not edited together really which it it suffers from and and you know that that's a pet peeve of mine when a film calls itself a document a mockumentary and it's not it's uh just a found footage film yeah i know i know watch the tunnel uh but <laughs> i didn't say it i didn't say it no, I, you, 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 just, were, you just know <laughs> i knew you were going to and i uh, will eventually yeah so i gave it three and a half stars okay um and that half star is probably the found footage aspect probably <laughs> compared to your score probably. so um yeah it's it's definitely on the better side of you know asian horror films that i've seen so i maybe would recommend it if you if you can be bothered <laughs> to sit through it um you know you can find it online for free so yeah you need to pay for it internet archive um but yeah it was i see why it has the notoriety it does Definitely was hoping for something a bit scarier, but oh well, we got what we got. Yeah, and yeah, another film that I don't really know was about possession as such, kind of. Yeah, Kagutabo was kind of possessing people, but also was cursing the neighbors, those in the vicinity. I don't know, I don't yeah. know. Oh well, that is possession, or a close that's, approximation that's, of it. That's possession. Um, we've we've managed to wait until possession part two, and then maybe we'll actually talk about the film possession. Possession, yeah, at some point. Um, we already talked about possessor. We did in our which what was that? That was technology. Technology. That? that was like episode four or something. That was quite early on. Yeah, I love possessor. It was such a good film. That was good uh next week we've picked just as difficult a theme to define Mm -hmm. we've got death yeah which sounds like on the surface oh a theme about death you know that could be anything and then you're like oh yeah that could literally be any horror film yeah so how do you define death over any other film uh and i think we were both thinking along the same lines of it needs to be a film where the plot surrounds it has death as like a plot point mm-hmm. so for example where someone dies and grief is this is the crux of the plot so a lot of folk when i did a wee google on like sort of films about death and stuff films like hereditary mm-hmm. where death is you know grief is a lot of it's what kickstarts the plot is somebody dying yeah um or like the babadook is similar you know it's uh, yeah apparently a whole big metaphor for grief yeah it's but i don't know i did you want me to go first here because yeah if you've got one i have a couple of i have a couple of different options that are probably very very different films so um I'll I'll go based on what you want to yeah pick, if you want to pick something first. Judging by what you were telling me just before we started recording, I think you've got this as in your list. But I'm going to go for it anyway. 
Flatliners. Interesting. Cool. Was, was that? That was one of the ones that I thought you might have been going for. Yeah. Um, um, which, was a, which one? Because there's a remake. So there's a remake. There's a new one um, with Elliot Page and various other... I Kevin, couldn't... I, it's, it's not Kevin Bacon. Which one came back? Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Does he come back? Came the, back. Because he was remake. in the original one. Yeah. So he's in the original. Kevin and he, Bacon and Julia Roberts are also yeah, in the original. Yeah. So it's a pretty good cast. Yeah. It's um, the original that you're picking. I the original I'm picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Joel Schumacher. Yeah. The man who gave Eagle. Batman nips. Yeah. And also Lost Boys. Yeah, but Nips on Batman. Nips on Batman. <laughs> That's what he'll be remembered for. <laughs> did he do both of those ones? He did the... No, he did Batman did, and Robin. Did he do Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin? Maybe? Because the first two were... What's his name? Tim Burton. Tim Burton. I thought and it was then, someone else that did And then I think it's Joel Schumacher forever, did both of the other two. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so... Okay. I'm curious. I think it's got kind of mixed reviews. I know the new one was pretty all right in terms of critical re- reception. So yeah. I'll maybe watch this and then do the new one as a double header. Potentially. Um, yeah, go with that. Okay. What's your pick? Yeah, interesting. Oh, sorry. I should have said what it's about. Flat, yeah, because it's about death. Flatliners yeah. is basically they're trying to... They're investigating what happens after you die. Mm-hmm. I believe the whole plot surrounds basically people killing themselves and then bringing themselves back to life you know by stopping their heart and starting again not like actually yeah um just to see what's on the other side kind of thing so that's that's my interpretation of the theme i guess yes sorry that's a good interpretation that was one of the films that i was thinking about picking okay i have several other choices um and even at this point i'm struggling to pick so i'll let you pick do you do you because i've got one i have another one yeah, that I had as a backup. I've got one that's certainly a lot more serious and is very well regarded critically, and is one. Of, it's a very famous film that I've still not seen yet, so it's pretty high up on the list. I have another film that's less well known and is more of a comedy horror, but I still think sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm interested to give it a go. Tell us what you've got, and let's see if do I've you, got an opinion. Do you want to? Well, you've got to pick blindly. I can't let you pick for me. I need you to pick which one of those two. Do you want to go for the comedy one or not? <laughs> I I reckon I'll probably like the serious one more, but it depends if it's a film I've seen or not. Okay, that's the thing. It might it may well be because it's a film that a lot of people have seen. But we'll go with that. I'm going to go with The Sixth Sense. Can we go with the comedy horror, please? <laughs> do you not like the sixth? Sense? No, I've actually not. I've not seen it in a while, and I do like it. Yeah, I, I've just I've seen it before. I I haven't seen it before. You've I've not seen it. I've not seen it. I've I've specifically been putting off watching it because um I like to get on my high horse and argue with people that M Night Shyamalan doesn't have a single good film, and I know that as soon as I watch the Sixth Sense, I'm not going to be able to say that anymore because it's probably going to be good, but every other M Night Shyamalan film that I have seen is absolute gubbins. So. It's easily his best film yeah. by a pretty a, a, a significant margin. margin. Yeah, But I've seen his other films that are also considered to be good that I think are absolute crap. So, Like what? Like uh, Unbreakable, for one. Uh, Signs. <sighs> Unbreakable is absolute shite. I don't know why people like it. Yeah, no idea. Split and uh, Have, Glass. I, I haven't seen either of those. Garbage. Um, I, I really like Signs, but having rewatched it recently... It's yeah. not as good as I remember it. No, um, I I don't I don't get it. Lots of people talk about how incredibly scary it 
that there's the one specific scene with the kid's birthday party and the little camcorder i love it footage honestly i don't get it i love it i don't see why people like it i don't think it looks scary i don't think it looks good at all you have to let yourself be scared i don't get it i don't get it um so yeah i i i talk a lot of shit about m night Shyamalan, and i know that as soon as i watch the sixth sense i'm probably gonna have to stop so i've been putting off watching it because i'm probably i'm gonna like it um either way i should definitely at least watch it and form an opinion and not just be a shithead on the internet um so where's the fun in that yeah that's true i'll watch that yeah you missed out on the frighteners though that was the other one i was gonna pick okay yeah Um, yeah, yeah. which i've not seen but i think looks like a lot of fun that's Uh, strange my other one was pet cemetery oh pet cemetery actually could also be a good one yeah yeah because that's sort of all about bringing bringing people back back to life and pets back to life and stuff and yeah. yeah i've not i've not seen it so yeah no neither have i yeah okay no that's fine six cents um I'm, I'm, i'll it's, rewatch it yeah good. i'm yeah cool i'm excited to watch it i know that it's, it's tony collette joel haley osmond it's got good, bruce willis it's got yeah a good cast i think it's got some very interesting concepts it's got a twist that unfortunately everybody knows already but yeah um honestly i think it makes it more interesting yeah because you're watching the whole film and you're picking up on these little details that are incredibly well done and subtle yeah that you wouldn't have noticed during your first watch so uh, yeah keep mm-hmm. an eye out yeah cool okay grand um yeah i'm excited for that six cents and then flatliners flatliners and then i'm gonna watch the remake of flatliners as well it makes a pretty decent double bill i think yeah cool right join us next week for death <laughs> <laughs> it is time yeah time for death yeah, we need to re re uh, re reload, re refresh our themes list. We'll have a look at some of the ones that we've done that have a lot of potential, uh, and and I think stick them back in. Part two. We could probably go for some slightly more generic ones. I feel like I didn't want to go for anything really obvious like vampires as a theme because then I, I don't know that just doesn't seem particularly interesting. But then we started putting in weird abstract shit like yep. poetry. Yep. <laughs> and family yep. and it's like okay what am i supposed to do with this um i think we're, we're at episode 39 now right i think when we get yeah. to episode 50 i think that needs to be our allowed threshold to start to just start re- re- redoing ones yeah part twos after and only good ones only like good after it yeah yeah cool yeah cool right thank you for joining us i hope you enjoyed your possession and you're ready for death (laughs) (laughs) yes yes you listening to this podcast i I, hope you're ready for death i have a message for you pray for death and then he turns into bugs you remember in prince of darkness when that guy turns into bugs uh yeah when he's outside yeah that's what he says he says i have a message for you pray for death i i i will not pray for death and then he turns into bugs no matter how many (laughs) bugs there are Okay, bye folks. Have a great week. (laughs) Yeah.